When it comes to personal branding, real estate professionals walk a fine line. On one hand, agents need to differentiate themselves from a sea of competitors. On the other hand, they don't want to do something that might alienate any potential clients. The result is often a lot of agents who play it safe, selling themselves with worn out cliches. But for Lee Brown, enough is enough. An award-winning coach, author, and working agent with one of the most successful real estate teams in the country, Lee preaches being authentic, even if it means opening yourself to criticism. Lee's no-nonsense attitude has made her a fan favorite among conference goers and students of the craft. In this interview, Lee explains why it's so important for real estate professionals to be real with themselves and their prospects, and how technology distracts agents from the real work of being and building a successful real estate business. This is Dale Chumbly with Real Living the Real Estate Group. I'm Shay Hada with Berkshire Hathaway Canning Rubloff. Hey, this is Lee Brown with Lee Brown and Associates at Remax Executive Realty in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Lee, I have wanted to have you on the show for such a long time. Thanks for making the time to chat with me. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad our calendar is finally synced up. Oh, yeah. So you have this amazing reputation for speaking your mind, and you've talked and written a lot about the challenge of innovating in our industry. Why do you think some folks in real estate are hesitant to speak up or maybe ruffle somebody's feathers? You know, it's actually something I am continuing to noodle on because it's it's a moving target to me. But I think my opinion right now is that if you look at our industry of real estate and the fact that we are all entrepreneurs, so you've got over a million realtors in the country, each of which is running their own business, not counting the other million licensees that are out there rolling around. That's a lot of egos because each one of them is like number one in their market, in their neighborhood, in their office this month. I got the parking space. My mama loves me. And they have a hard time with the idea of rejection. Yeah. And, and we're in a sales business, which is the interesting piece of this because we're used to the word no or supposed to be. Maybe that's why people aren't prospecting either, but... They don't want to be told no, and they don't want to be criticized. And if you don't want to be criticized, you pretty much have to be Wonder Bread and be so bland that there's nothing about you to criticize. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's not just in this industry, but it seems Mm -hmm. like people are fearful of taking a stand and sort of being true to who they are. Uh, And in many ways, that's like the easiest way to blend in. Well, like, look at this, like, last night, so if you're a listener who's not hearing this on the day it's recorded, so last night was the United Republican Convention, and there's this um, kerfluffle about the speeches and the content and, I mean, the speakers and really everything in this political season, and I'm looking at my Facebook feed, and a lot of people that I'm connected to are saying, I'm unfollowing anybody who mentions politics, 
And they don't even have to be inflammatory. They're just deleting anybody who mentions <laughs> politics at all. It's like you don't want to be forced to think or you don't want to be forced to defend your opinion or you just don't want to participate in democracy. I mean, I just I look at that and I think this is the American way right now. Just shut it out. Yeah. And so it's not just realtors. It's everybody is. Well, you know, we live in fear of being accused of being racist, misogynistic, homophobic. And there's this new trend of microaggressions, which is, you know, perceived aggressions. So we're so busy being offended and then we don't want to be offended ourselves. And so we put ourselves in our own little bubbles and refuse the the risk of intimacy. I mean, that's what you lose. Yeah. You lose intimacy and depth of character and, oh, yeah, personal growth when you refuse to consider opinions or consider difficult topics. Yeah. yeah. I think technology is also reinforcing that. I mean, we, if you look at the recommendation engines of every social platform, they show you what you sort of want to hear. They recommend the news that you want to hear. It's almost like Amazon. You go to Amazon and it recommends, oh, you might also like this. So, mm-hmm. if, you, so if you like liberal or conservative, you're going to get conservative books. So it just reinforces whatever you're thinking. And I agree with you. It doesn't, there's no challenge there to, to, you know, travel outside of your little circle. And doesn't Um, that make you sad because you don't, you don't get that breadth of ideas and those people that make you really think and that you want to spend four hours talking to over supper and you don't realize four hours has passed because you were deep into a conversation because you really can't do that with somebody who is in lockstep with you where they're going, yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you're awesome. I do that. (laughs) I think I do that. You know, I, I travel a lot. I mean, as you do as well. And I do that by engaging just when with people that I'm traveling. Like I love traveling and speaking to folks because you're forced to chat with all kinds of folks. And to me, Mm -hmm. that helps me break the little, you know, my own little personal bubble, um, at least just a little bit. So you are super involved with the National Association of Realtors and you have multiple, multiple realtor designations. A lot of realtors, actually two thirds of them, don't take advantage of these programs. What's the deal there? Um, I already mentioned the ego. So in my personal non-scientific research, because all of my research is just my woman on the street stuff, when people get a license, they're turned loose and they have received the minimum number of hours required by their state to assist a consumer in dealing with their largest financial instrument. And the industry turns them loose and says, hey, go train on the back of the consumer. (laughs) And the the agent is scared because they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't really have anybody to ask because the brokers are stretched thin. And then they accidentally sell a house. They sell two, they sell three. They get to six months in the business and they say, got this. I don't need any more training. I know what I'm doing. I am a full-fledged professional realtor because I sold three houses. And then they find that there's something challenging in every transaction. So they get to about that five-year mark. And this is where we start to see agents taking classes above and beyond their state-required CE is about that five-year mark where the, the blush wears off the rose and the arrogance starts to tail back a little bit and they realize they don't know everything. So I'll be the president of the uh, Council of Residential Specialists next year. And that's CRS, which is 
arguably the second hardest designation to get in real estate. CCIM is the hardest. That's the commercial designation. Yeah. CRS is the hardest one on the residential side because it, the requirement is a lot of education and closed transactions. And we see our students coming to us at about that five-year mark where they really have now chilled enough to realize they don't know everything. Yeah. But when our industry sets people free at the beginning with no training, with no business background or P&Ls being checked or any checks and balances at all, of course, realtors don't even think they need education. Like the so Wild these, West. Yeah, the designations become, for the most part, it, it takes being in relationship with a broker or a mastermind group that tells you, hey, dude, you need this before agents go get it. Because most of them, I mean, bless them, they're just not seeking it on their own because they don't understand the value proposition. I had a really great conversation with Dale Chumbly, who you know and love as much as I do. Um, and he was telling me not only the self-education, but that it has so positively impacted his business in ways that he just never planned. Right. Which is the network and the community that you tap into by participating and being on boards and being on committees that he never guessed would so positively impact his business. Have you, have you experienced the same? When you think about it, so again, this goes back to that ego problem. When you think you're number one and that you are the purveyor and holder of all knowledge, you don't need the network, you don't need the people, you don't need the association. So you have to get past that point of needing to be number one and then you become open to the beauty of the network and the knowledge of the network and the crowdsourcing and the fact that, oh, there's a people out here that know how to do this better and smarter than I do. I want to learn from them. But you have to get past the ego before you can be open to that. And yeah. What he's saying, too, is like not even just the education, but the volunteerism piece. And on the association side, I'll, I can speak to the fact that I've been in the business for 16 years as a full-time realtor, and I didn't really get engaged in association life for the first nine years. It just wasn't of interest to me. I was selling a lot of houses, making a lot of money, and thought to myself, I do not need these people. Yeah, or have because, the time. Yeah, I, I could spend my time selling another house, making more money, and what are they going to offer me that... I don't already have because I know it all. I'm number one. I, 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 I. Yeah. And so then I get involved down there and get invited to a committee and I say, oh, this isn't about I, this is about we. Yeah. And then I started to see the forest because the transactions we deal with, those are the trees and too many agents are in there dead in the forest going from tree to tree and they never get to the canopy and they never get to the 30,000 foot view. And what you find out when you get up there is you can't unlearn it. You can't go back and say, Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Cause now you see the power of advocacy and you see the power of relationships that go from Charlotte, North Carolina to Vancouver, Washington. So if I need something in Vancouver, I'm going to call Dale yeah. and he's going to have an answer for me. If I rely on me being number one, I, 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 and I need something in Vancouver, what am I going to turn to? Google? Yeah, exactly. Zillow? Truly, I'd rather turn to a local hands-on, feet-on-the-ground person who can get me pointing in the right direction quickly because the time matters. Yeah, that is so, so true. 
I have watched you just in awe. And, you know, one of the things that I see you do is you have this real estate training business, No Fluff Training, which I love that name, by the way. You, what made you decide to start it? Like, what's different about your approach to educating agents? I think the thing that makes me different is, well, first of all, I'm pretty irreverent. I say the things out loud that most people are thinking and they won't say because they're too afraid of offending somebody. And I'm, I'm one I'm of them. Smi- I'm smiling as you say that because I you just, know. yeah, I just, I love it. I, I think it's so refreshing. We need more of that. You know, I get in trouble all the time. I got in trouble last year for using an anachronistic phrase that I can use in my personal life and at home, but you can't use in California. And it's, you know, you, you're going to be an outspoken person. You pay the price for it. And, you know, it's just, that's just being an adult, sucking yeah. it up. I screwed up. Don't do it again. But I think realtors connect with me because I'm one of them. I'm not somebody who had a license 40 years ago or who sells eight houses a year and tries to talk volume. I sell 300 houses a year. I work with buyers and sellers every day, even when I'm traveling to speak. So I know what they're going through out there. I, I've dealt with the cheap houses and the trailers and the condos and the luxury homes and the land. And I've, I, I get it. And so when I'm training and teaching, I'm sharing what I'm using in my business. And so the phrase that I'll be using that I just heard earlier today that just like oh, whacked me in the head was I might, um, wait a minute. I might be wrong, but I'm never lying. <laughs> I'd love that. That's awesome. So I'll tell you what I'm doing. And agents like to argue with me that it won't work for them. Or it won't work in their market. And all that means is they're too lazy or scared to try something different. And I'm, I'm never scared to try something different. And then what works? I love sharing it. I love yeah. it. Because that's how I was trained in the business. I was trained by the Star Power Network that Howard Brenton started. And all those stars shared with me. And so now that I am achieving at a really high level in the industry, I think it's my responsibility to to give back and give what I was shared with so freely. And the fact that 98% of the people who listen to my presentations won't do shit drives me completely crazy. I know. But I love that at the end of every class, there are two to three people who do something and they follow up and say, I implemented it and it worked. And that totally makes it worthwhile. I I. I live for that when those folks reach out and they've actually done something. It's huge. Oh, it's amazing. So agents get a ton of advice on what they should do when they're getting started. Let's turn that around. What shouldn't a new agent focus on when they're starting out? Well, Hmm. What shouldn't they focus on? Gadgets and technology. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the gadgets and technology are a distraction. So yeah. if you are a very good top producing established agent, you can get a new technology like Snapchat and make it run. You can take Pokemon Go and create something fun with it. But if you're new to the business, you need to be on the phone calling people saying, hey, I can help you. Yeah. You need to be out there in public at Chamber of Commerce meetings and at Homeowner Association meetings saying, I can help you because the gadgets don't help you get to the kitchen table. It's the personal connections that do. Yeah. The other thing agents should not do at the very beginning is think they know everything. And that's 
the hardest thing to overcome because your state gave you a piece of paper that said you are uh, allowed to handle somebody's transaction, but agents need to realize they're not ready for it. They are not qualified. You are not qualified to list somebody's house the minute you come out of licensing school and don't tell me I'm wrong. They should do what, I mean, I had to live in my dad's hip pocket for the first 90 days in the business. He made me go on listing presentations and buyer consults and showing houses and closing so that I could see every angle of the business before he would allow me to touch a consumer. And it was the best way I could have gotten into the industry because I had not only a mentor who taught me how to do it right, but he enforced it so that I knew I, it wasn't about me. It was about how much I had to learn to protect the consumer. Yeah. I was, um, in my younger years, I was a chef and I remember working with a master chef. And so I was, a, you know, an apprentice, right? The garmanger is what they called it. Mm-hmm. I made salads. I wasn't allowed to serve a plate or any of my plates to touch a customer for about four months. Right. Because... It was his name was on the restaurant. You know, that was Mm -hmm. his place. He didn't want some upstart who was thought he knew everything doing it. Um, Man, were you working for Anthony Bourdain? That (laughs) sounds like Kitchen Confidential, which is like my favorite book ever. Have you read that? I have met him. Uh, He's fantastic. And I was cooking during that time uh, that he wrote about in his first book. Uh, Just it's all true. That's exactly Uh, how the kitchens work. (laughs) Oh, it is. It is all true. I could tell you some fantastic stories. Let's talk a little bit about personal branding. It's something that I am sort of passionate about in helping folks think about it. And you actually wrote a book, um, Outrageous Authenticity. Can you tell me a little bit about that book? I wrote that book as a response to the fact that realtors as an industry, and then really everybody in American society right now, has lost the ability to have any uniqueness about them because they're so afraid. They're afraid to be authentic. They're afraid to be real. There's not only concerns about, oh, somebody might be offended by my politics, but it's, oh, I have privacy concerns. Somebody might know I have a dog or I have kids or what if they can find my house? And and people just live in this constant state of self-imposed paranoia, fear. And I wrote the book and it really came out as like a blueprint of how to be yourself again and how yeah. to have an opinion again without being a jack leg. And that's where I think we have to put social media in its place. The only reason a lot of people are abandoning social media is because it's become a very mean place. And Facebook tries to game their algorithms to show us happy things. Yeah. But you've still got a lot of friends that clutter your feed with anger and angst and bitterness and hatred and ugly things. Yeah. Because people don't know how to disagree kindly anymore. Yeah. It's no longer... Um, talk to me about your opinions. And so the, the whole idea of the book is be who you are without being a jack leg. And at the end of the book, my whole point behind, it's only 86 pages because I know my people. My realtors have 45 minutes if I'm lucky. So that's how long it takes to read my book. And a glass <laughs> of wine, maybe it takes you an hour. So <laughs> at the end, the whole point is being authentic shouldn't have to be outrageous. Yeah. It just seems outrageous right now because so few people are authentic anymore. Yeah. I, I really love the book. Um, I read it when it came out and I really appreciated cause I didn't 
know that that's what it was going to be about. I really appreciated the concept of learning how to respectfully disagree. And I see that on social. I mean, everyone goes to DEFCON 3 automatically <laughs> right. when, they, when they disagree with someone. It's like, my God, you know, did we just, you know, forget that we were humans? Um, yeah, but, that's the thing, Seth. They wouldn't say it to your face that way. So no. why do they say it online that way? It kills me. It's yeah, like, where is our humanity? Yeah. And, you know, and I told my kids, my kids are 10 and 11, and I made them watch all the debates in the primaries on both sides. Yeah. And they know that their dad and I fall in one side of the world, but we also float around towards the middle because we're Democrat and Republicans. And yeah. so when we were watching all the primaries, they'd say, well, mama, who do you like? And I'm like, well, tell me who you like. And so yeah. the kids came to their own conclusions. And what we talked about is that when somebody else likes a different person, you don't say you're wrong. Your response is, Tell me why. And so Timmy, who's 10, has been a Trump fan since the first time he saw him on a primary. Yeah. And of course, he's like the only one in his fourth grade class that liked Trump because fourth graders, the rest of them like Bernie. And so he would he learned to say, tell me why you like Bernie. And instead of it causing a fight, it calls the other kid to have to defend their choice, which leads to a better conversation. Because then Timmy can come home and say, hey, mama, here's what this kid said. Is it true? Is it not true? And then we could research it together. And so at least my two kids are learning how to ask other people to defend themselves instead of picking a fight. And if that's two, then maybe they taught one other kid how to do it and we can start to turn the tide slowly. Yes. Um so let's dive into some of the, the tactical stuff. There's, okay. there's so much talk about using social to generate, nurture real estate leads, but it seems like a lot of agents and brokers are, are struggling to make social worthwhile. Like I, we all watch them, right? <laughs> what, what are they doing? What should they be doing? Like what they should stop thinking about it as a lead generation source and think about it as a relationship cultivation machine. That's what these are for. Yeah. I mean, if you are on Facebook and all you're doing is talking about your open houses or your virtual tours or houses are flying off the shelves or I showed 25 houses today. All you're doing is telling people to unfollow you and hide you because nobody wants to listen to that drivel. Yeah. They want to know you're in real estate when they have a need for real estate. So they just need to know that you're available and they want to know that you're accessible and conversational and relatable. And so I, I mentioned it in my book, and I wish I knew where I had originally read this, and I have seeked and sought, and I cannot find it. But whoever said Facebook was a dinner party totally hit the nail on the head because it's that's that conversation. If you're at a table with eight of your friends, what would you say? You wouldn't talk about open houses and virtual tours and showings and closings. You'd talk about people and trees and school and the kids who went fishing, and did you see this car that went flying down the road? You'd talk about things in your life. And that's what leads to real estate business is being part of your community and being visible. And I get a lot of business from Facebook. But if you follow me on Facebook, and you have to because I have too many friends now according to their rules. um, But people that follow me on Facebook are like, you don't talk real estate. I'm like, I don't have to. I mean, I'll mention it on the side somehow when I've got a natural way for it to segue into a conversation. But it's better that people know I'm real and relatable and approachable than that I say, hey, who do you know that needs to buy or sell a house? Or the greatest compliment you can pay me is a referral to your family. <laughs> and I see people on Facebook, they're like, 
oh, you know, I'm so grateful for this referral. I'm like, that language just told the consumer their money got exchanged. Yeah. Why do you even use that word referral? And I've got a, an article coming up about uh, language in real estate, and I'll talk about that a little more. But there's um, there's a disconnect for realtors because they are, they're so lead generation focused. They forget that there's human beings behind every transaction, yeah. which goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the transaction focus agent who doesn't see the need for education and association volunteerism because they're, they're two blinders on for the house. And when you're that blinders on for the house, you're also blinders on for the buyer and the seller. And that hurts you because yeah. people have a very, they're, they're allergic to confrontation and they're allergic to getting their feelings hurt. But boy, their bullshit meters are running on very finely tuned radars right now. They're yeah. very, very good at reading through you. Yeah, so true. I mean, they're they're like us. They're consumers. I mean, we we can smell it a mile away when someone's trying to like sell us something. Right. I, and, and I'm the easiest target in the world when I'm ready to buy. Oh, yeah. But until I'm ready to buy, yeah, if don't, you are in don't my talk space, I'm going to block you. Yep. So you're consistently ranked one of the top real estate teams in the country. How have you managed to do everything that you do and become so successful? The first thing I'll tell you is that it is through the power and blood of Jesus Christ that I am successful because I have kept myself grounded in my faith. And my days don't start without me talking to God and talking to Jesus first. That's awesome. And I, I, I won't apologize for it. And I'm not shy about it because... He loves everybody. He's just waiting on some of them to wake up and see he's standing right there with them, ready to love on them. Yeah. And that's that's my center. It's the center of my marriage. It's the centerpiece of how I parent my children. It's the centerpiece of my week and of my day. And so I know it, it sounds like, um, you know, evangelistic trite, but Seth, it's the truth. If I have my foundation in place, the house comes together. Yeah. So that's my foundation. And then... For building my team, I mean, I learned the hard way how to hire the right people. I didn't necessarily hire the right people at the beginning, and that was not their fault. It was my fault for not defining the job descriptions well and for not providing a culture where they would be free to grow and succeed. And yeah. I've shifted that within the last 10 years. You could ask anybody on my team what our mission is, and they can all tell you. And you can ask them why they're with me, and they can tell you, and they'll... And they know that I will do whatever I have in my power to make all of them successful and happy and professional. And then as a group, everybody in this team is focused on how do we change the real estate experience for our clients for the better? How do we change the paradigm for them? How do we change the industry? How do we take the level of service up to what they desire in today's world? And it only works because the whole team sees it that way. And nobody on our team is an I person. Everybody on this team is a what can I do person. There's nobody that says that's not my job, not a yeah. soul. Yep. Every one of them says, all right. So like last week we were on skeleton crew because of vacations and the ones we had, everybody pitched in like, all right, we're missing this one, this one, this one. So what can I do? What's our number one priority? How do we manage it? Knowing that when we're gone, the ones that were out last week, they'll pitch in for us and our clients don't ever have to miss a, a beat. And that's, I think that's why people keep coming back to us. Yes, we're busy and 
I'm visible and people know I travel, but they still call me because they know that I'm going to be accessible. And the people that carry my name around this market are the finest real estate people on the planet. And I would stack anybody on my team up against any realtor on it, who has ever lived. And I will tell you, my people are the best and they are they're they're amazing. I'm so lucky. I'm the lucky one that they agree to have my name on their backs. I love that. You have you have a class, right? Don't you have a class about the phenomena of real estate teams? Is that correct? I have a, I have a couple classes on that. I have one that's designed for brokers to help okay. them better understand team dynamics and how do you work with teams because a lot of our brokerages are in a 50-year-old model that does not understand this this move from a solo agent to a team concept. The other class is for agents who want to be a team because they know it's the hip and cool thing to do, but they don't know how to do it. They don't know why to do it, when to do it, and how to do it successfully, and what are the pitfalls, and what are the tools they need. So I try to give them some of those tools, even though it's you can barely scratch the surface in three hours. And I, I look at that because realtors are the most successful realtors are great relationship people, but they are not business managers and they are not human resource managers and they are not organized as a natural skill set. So the reason a lot of teams do have high turnover is they, they aren't looking at themselves as CEOs. They don't understand that they're building a success team around themselves. Yeah. So I want to switch gears and talk about a project that you have coming up, which is your your podcast, and I love <laughs> love the title, Crazy, Crazy Shit in Real Estate. Tell me why you're doing it. Well, everybody knows me uh, in the industry. I think most people do now because I've gotten really way too visible, which is kind of hilarious, but they like my little videos and my little commentaries. And what I've discovered in talking to realtors, whether it's in person or online, is that they've all got a war story. And yeah. they all want to tell their war story. And you've seen it too when you give a presentation and you open up the mics. They can't ask their question until they get their war story out of their mouth first. And yeah. so this is t not only going to be cathartic for realtors, but you also think about what consumers want from us. They like to know their little you know, they're voyeurs. What does it look like? What is it like in somebody else's house? What do you see? What's the craziest things you've seen? They don't really care about agency and earnest money and multiple offers. We care about that. The consumer says, ooh, ooh, what'd you see in that house? We know yeah. those people. They got like 18 cats. What's it like in there? <laughs> and so it's going to be, um, the reason it's crazy shit in real estate, my guest will be realtors, lenders, title companies, inspectors, hopefully some surveyors. I've got an appraiser who's going to be on there and some consumers who've already raised their hands who can tell about their experience. And my goal is that not only will it be highly entertaining because I love to make people laugh, but that people will get a better glimpse into what life is like in dealing with real estate transactions and maybe we'll all see ways we can improve why consumers have such a negative perception of our industry. If we hear some of these crazy stories and say, here's what I, I can take away from this, there's going to be an opportunity for improvement. Because as you know, the only reason I speak and teach and do videos and work with realtors all the time is because I have a burning desire to see real estate improve as an industry to the point where if somebody tells you they're a realtor, you're like, wow, you're so lucky. 
Yeah. That's what I'm working for. That's awesome. I can't wait for the show. Lee, this has been amazing. Thank you for taking the time. I love, I love, I love your candor and your honesty and you make me laugh, which is doubly fun. Where can folks find out more about you? Well, if they are interested in Charlotte, North Carolina real estate, that would be leesells.com. And actually, if you need anything in North Carolina, I got people everywhere. So I'm glad to be a connector. And then if you're interested in the speaking and training and all of those little bits and pieces, that's at noflufftraining.com. That's no fluff like um, none of the marshmallow and nasty stuff you really shouldn't be eating anyway, because it's not nutritious. So noflufftraining.com. Twitter, I'm at Lee Brown. And on Facebook, you have to follow because I can't take any more new friends, but I am against fan pages. So it's a personal principle issue. So you can just follow me because I post everything publicly, but I'm Lee Thomas Brown on Facebook because I'm a Southern woman and you got to parade your maiden name out there. It's like a rule. Uh, awesome. I will see you very, very soon. Yes, I will see you at, at Inman because I get to introduce you when you hit the main stage. Yay. I love it. Yay. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.